Digital. Student-centred. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Chia Dachi, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tales of Teaching Online podcast. Today, I'm joined by Professor Margaret Bierman from Cradle, our Center for Research in Assessment and Digital Learning at Deakin University. And she's a worldly renowned researcher in higher and clinical education and has published extensively in this field. Her research interests include assessment and feedback, digital education, and social materiality. And recently, she's been thinking uh, about the issue of sustainability in teaching and learning innovation, which I think is a really interesting and hot topic within the higher education sector. So I'm super excited to be able to talk to her about this topic today. Thank you for coming in, Margaret. Welcome. Thank you, Chia. Delighted to be here. So I think um, anyone doing higher education research would have come across your work, Margaret, and know who you are. But for those who haven't yet, could we start by getting a sense of who you are as a researcher and as a person? Tell us a little bit about yourself, please. So sure, I have a very, very um, um, eclectic career in in um, higher education. Um, I've dabbled in just about everything, but I started off my base degrees in computer science. Um, then I worked in health informatics and became very interested in um, education. Particularly, this was uh, pre-World Wide Web, so doing things on CDs and um, and for those people who remember, you know, uh, the multimedia, the big multimedia push prior to the web. So around that time. And then out of there, I built my interest in education, um, did a PhD in simulation, virtual patients in medical education. And from that interest have ended up where I am now at Cradle um, at Deakin. Brilliant. And so you come with a wealth of experience and expertise in thinking about everything to do with higher education research, but particularly medical, medical education and digital education. And now you've been thinking about the issue of sustainability, I think, in your latest research, which I think is a really contentious topic too, given the climate of higher education sector. And so I'm curious to know how this idea came about as a focus of your research. And so what's the story there? Well, um, it's interesting because I was listening to myself talk about my career and I thought a couple of things. One was that I learned some very hard lessons about sustainability very early on. One of the first jobs I did was to work on developing some materials around HIV AIDS. This was in the early 90s. And before the medica- just before the medic the early medications were developed. And so in a very short space of time, these materials, which we had really labored over, um, became very dated very quickly. And um, then of course, running through m- um, multimedia and into the rise of the web as we know it. I mean, you know, for those who were there, you remember um, you know, Netscape Navigator, um, Alta Vista, things that have come and gone. Uh, in the digital space. So I think sustainability, if you work 
with technology is always an interesting issue. Everything always needs updating, upgrading. It's always, for want of a better word, moving forward. The other way that I came to this was actually empirically. So one of the things that I do here at Deakin is I um, have two roles. In, in, in essence, I have a role to be part of a research centre and to do research and to work on um, phenomena of broad research interest. And the other role that I have is to be an independent voice with respect to some of Deakin's strategic learning and teaching initiatives. And that involves sometimes collecting data, sometimes working with people. And one of the big pieces of work I've been doing for the last four or five years has been tracking a series of learning and teaching innovations. And in the last round of investigation that we did about what was working about those and how, and how staff were feeling about them, this is the middle of the pandemic, this issue came up about how they might be sustained, how they might be sustained beyond, if you think of a project, beyond the lifespan of the project. And then when you couple that back with a general idea of sustainability in digital education, um, and thinking about sustainability of educational practices generally, and a third piece of my interest, which comes from medicine, which is how we sustain changes to practice um, I think you've ended up something with something really interesting. And, and, and just very briefly on that last point, one of the things you know, I know, and this is more, but this is in healthcare, this is in higher education, it's in just about everything that people tend to continue doing the ways that they've always continued to be doing things. And they're really good things about that, and they're really challenging things about that. So that um we often bring in new innovations. You see it really starkly in healthcare. A new way of doing things that is measurably better is introduced. And then over time, it reverts to how things have always done. And sometimes people use a short shorthand, the way things are done around here to describe that sort of reversion. We go back to the way things are done around here. I don't always see that as being problematic, but it's an absolute tendency. So those are some of the threads that bring bring me to this issue of sustainability. Beautiful. So you've kind of arrived at this idea from different angles, I can see. And I see a tension here too. And you touched on the idea of innovation too, and which is virtually mentioned in every university's strategic documents, innovation, and how they are innovating their research and learning and teaching. And that idea often is at tension with the idea of sustainability, I feel, as though. And so what's the aim of this project that you're doing as research then? And what sort of problems that are you trying to address through this project? The aim of this research is really to look at these projects that are sustained over time, because it's really interesting in this area of sustaining learning and teaching innovation, there's not that much um, empirical research. And the problem that we're looking for is simply this, how do we usefully sustain innovations and changes? And I put in the word usefully because I think sustainable innovation is kind of an oxymoron. If you want it to be innovative, then innovative by itself is about change and changing and being different. If you sustain it, then it stops being in that space. So there's this real tension here. But what we have is we have 
a series of innovations that have come from centrally devised um, programs and projects. And we wanted to see what sustained them across a number of key areas. So we're looking at really, I think, three things. Sustainability is materials and resources. Like, you know, you put all this work into developing artifacts, ways of doing things. We look at sustainability to teaching practice. And I think in some ways, this is a really interesting area for me. And it's a really long-standing one in higher education. Lots and lots of programs to change teacher, for want of a word, behaviour or teacher practice. And yet, confusing threads about the impact that all that effort has. So there's something about sustaining sustainability there and then the third area is about how to sustain things almost from a resource perspective or structurally how do you how do you ensure things resonate on and I think I think within this the problem remains about how we're conceptualizing sustainability is it an ecological system so everything shifts and moves and maintains is it something that resonates and adapts over time and then practically how do we do it in practice? How do we ensure that if we invest all this money into a project, into teacher development, into change, how do we ensure that just doesn't come and go? Turn on the taps for three years, turn off the taps and everything just dissipates. And we can all think in higher education of projects we've been involved with. The one that I spoke about with HIV all those years ago, that that sort of, it had a lot of resonance in its time, it came and went. And also within that, we need to ask, is that right? So are we simply also not embracing the fact that things don't last forever? And how do we plan for that? Is this something we're going to say we'll have? a 10-year trajectory, a one-year trajectory? What are we thinking about in terms of the lifespan of a project? I think in higher education, or well, particularly in Australia, but um, as far as I can see universally, the way that funding models work, we work on relatively short-term cycles. We don't think the long game. So I guess the big picture problem is about the long game here in, in higher education, learning and teaching. How do we conceptualise and move towards a longer game? And that's a really good segue to kind of something that I wanted to highlight here, which is a contextual matter that happened, which is the pandemic mm -hmm. and the disruption that brought with it that was felt across the globe. And so through such a pandemic and crisis mode, people as far as I could see, started to generate their own innovation and started doing new things because they had to adjust. But that was the sort of really intense couple of years and it's still having this impact. And I liked how you framed the confusing impacts mm. and the measurable things that we need to be able to see. Is there something that you can kind of explore on here, elaborate on here in terms of that, contextual things, the matters that can happen outside of our control, but that have real impact on the way that the projects are framed for the university and thinking about this long game, long-term gain also. Yeah, and I think that the, one of the 
confusing things about long games is they're really, you know, to use the economic term, um, uh, vulnerable to external shocks. And I think the pandemic was definitely an external shock. And I think it's a really, really interesting piece. So you see multiple things happening. You see people in the switch to emergency remote teaching continue on doing what they've always done. You see things, and I think this is, um, there's a bit of publication on that. Certainly some of the discussion I've had with educators is some things have fundamentally shifted. Particularly in the switch to assessment online, I mean, that's my area, I've been a little bit involved in it, but some um, pushes as well. And I think one of the big questions about sustainability is we see a lot of baby steps. Do those baby steps add up to a big step? I think sometimes they do. And there's no question if you're involved in technology, that technology changes many things. What I think might be interesting about the pandemic is it, it does afford us a case study to see there's definitely change. But sometimes it's very confusing and appropriately so. I don't think it's something will ever be anything but confusing to try and work out what changes are significant and what changes aren't. There are a lot of little things going on. Um, so clearly we can do things more efficiently. We do things via Zoom. Our ways of working have foundationally changed. And this, I think, is no question and we all feel the impact in our lives. And within that, I sometimes wonder if we think enough about some of the big, and this is just me mulling here, I haven't really, uh, until you really ask this question. Um, so I don't know, I don't know whether it's a key insight, but I'm, I'm, I think what the pandemic raises is questions. I don't think it raises, proposes any answers. I think the insights are that we have an opportunity to um, examine and problematize rather than to understand yet what that might be. Um, I think we are living, as is every generation, a hugely time of technolo technological change. And while I say that, and while things are moving very rapidly, I'd also, you know, in my sort of um, thinking the long game. I mean, I don't know about your grandparents, Chia, but my grandparents, because you're a bit younger than I am, but at least one of my grandparents grew up in a house without, well, was born in a house without electricity. You know, she described dirt floors. So the shift in her lifespan, technologically speaking, was enormous. And we all live in these massive time. So I don't want to, I don't want to characterize this as I think some things are speeding up. But I also when I think about the changes in her life and the changes since I was born, in some ways my changes are less. So it's not like we're not living through these times of immense change. But what I think is different here is that we're doing it, we we understand it as it's happening now. We have the time and the space and the position in higher education to really thoughtfully examine the world as it's happening. And you've seen many publications on the pandemic. So I do think okay. the opportunity that's afforded to us by this is not even so much the great external shock, but the opportunity to problematize, to examine and to see how it unfolds. And I think, because I do think the digital, like other technological changes, is taking us in massively different directions in our lives. And I think the post-digital is really important because it's not some future that's coming. 
the future is now. And I think it really is important to remember that it's not the bright new future of technology, it's the present of technology that's important to examine. Beautiful. I still remember my grandma talking about this black phone in the house, you know, the one that you dial. And that was the only communication technology that she had in the countryside of Japan. And that was like one way to communicate with us. And this is only like early 80s, you know. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I, I I mean, you know, I'm living in Melbourne, Australia. When the first share house I moved to, uh, no, second share house was in a really odd area. And we actually had to dial the operator in the 90s to get, to get a, an interstate line. 90s. In the 90s, you had to <laughs> ring up and get connected. Crazy. How much revelations and innovations that we've seen just in terms of technology. But you kind of started to talk about this idea as well about um, resources. And that's kind of where I wanted to just mm-hmm. quickly pick up on. Because in light of COVID, in light of this radical change that we've seen in the recent years in our lives, we are all tired we are hearing the fatigue that the, especially teaching teams are feeling. Sustainability really brings hope in us challenging and problematizing this way of working for the innovation of learning and teaching, and yet people are tired and fatigued. How do we reconcile this space and, you know, the one discussion comes in every time workload model for people who from Deakin yes thank you uh, workload allocation model that's right um you know it's like the elephant in the room and so through this research that you're doing and thinking about is there something that we can say about this conundrum that we have well I think it's really interesting because it depends whose perspective you take In centralised learning and teaching teams, what you have is what you can control and you can't control workload allocation that belongs outside. So you have to look at ways that live with whatever's there and that's part of the key of sustainability, I think. So you can't avoid it. You have to meet those conversations head on. I think the thing is, is that you need to think about what value is and sometimes Sparking excitement is enough. But people have lives and families and, and other work pressures and they often need to do their research. And, you know, and the pandemic, if nothing else, has made us all very tired. So I think that just needs to be taken into account. But I think there's another conversation. And I think that's a bigger conversation that innovation costs, change costs, and the broader systems of higher education funding as they are around the world and broad, um, you know, COVID has brought many shocks, but, you know, I think it's fair to say around the world, the economic shock is extreme. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. And I think that if I had my druthers and, you know, please forgive me, anyone in management, I think we should be stripping out the small steps in the bureaucracy that take up far too much time that are wasting. I think that we spend too much effort trying to um, tightly manage things. And I think 
the research I'm doing on sustainability suggests that you really need to give people a looseness and a voice. I mean, you could say this about teaching as well. The more you regulate, the more problems you run into in terms of time consuming. And regulation is a very broad brush. Look, it's very important, but it means everyone has to take out time to do things that aren't necessarily valuable to them. And I don't think we consider some of the costs of that. And so I think it's about making sure that things we ask people to do are mutually beneficial. And also, I mean, frankly, there's a lot of talk about well-being and care and looking mm -hmm. after our students. We have to look after ourselves too. Mm -hmm. It's like that saying, is it in English that you put your own oxygen mask first before you can save and help others? Exactly. And can I just repeat what you just said there? It was beautiful. The things that we're asking people to do are mutually beneficial and we need to ensure that that's what happens in learning and teaching practice too which is a beautiful message thank you Margaret so I've come to the sort of end of my questions that I've had and I'm just wondering if you had any last thoughts in terms of what you like our listeners to know in around this research that you're doing with sustainability idea um I think that the key thing for me is with this sort of research, and I'm really attracted to this sort of research, is there aren't easy answers. So sustainability is not going to be something that you'll be able to tick off. That's one of the reasons I like assessment research as well too, is it, it just is actually really challenging to make assessments that, that develop people, that serve all their purposes. It's, it's, it's tricky and the trickiness is a good thing. We don't want things that are simple in higher ed. So I guess it's just to embrace um, the complexity and not expect there to be easy solutions, but possibly delightful processes. So um, that that's, I guess, my final, final thought. <laughs> just terrific. And the way that you're just talking about this with Smile On, it just says a lot about the way you conduct yourself in this challenging topics but really purposeful research as well Margaret and we always learn so much from your work and just the way you hold these tensions really beautifully you know between the challenging and hopefulness of this <laughs> research so on behalf of everyone who is listening to this and loving this conversation, I thank you for all the work that you're doing, Margaret. And I think you're just about to go to the UK for further research collaboration work as well. So I'm so glad that we got to catch you before you went. And thank you so much for coming in and taking the time with us today, Margaret. My pleasure. And um, I look forward to seeing you soon. You too. Thank you, Margaret.